Welcome to an episode of No Politics, Just Music. The aim of this show is to talk about albums, bands, and music more generally. I hope you enjoy expletives and foul language. Go. Welcome to another episode. Today we're going to talk about Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die and Queens of the Stone Age's Rated R. Uh, I have a friend from New Zealand joining me today, so how's it going, Connor? Yeah, not too bad, James. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, inviting... I did track you down. There's <laughs> a better way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, it, it took a bit of um, convincing and doing, I think, but we're here. Eventually. He came across as a bit reluctant, <laughs> but uh, we got you. I, I was just a little bit apprehensive, but no, keen to get into it. Well, I'm glad you're joining me, uh, after all. <laughs> You sent me an album that uh, I certainly wasn't familiar with, so mm-hmm. I guess maybe a good place to start is asking you uh, why you sent this album. Right, okay. Why did I send this album? Um, I don't know. I'm When I listen to music, it's generally sort of in the past been rap. I don't know why, but it, I've kind of just lent that way. Um, I remember I was an intermediate and my mate started singing the song was a um, big popper by Notorious B.I.G. And I was like, sure, that sounds cool. So we kind of would sing it and sing it. And I had no idea who it was from um, and then came across the song and then that album over the years. And I've kind of just really enjoyed listening to it. And so I thought I'd share it with you. Because when we were living together, uh, we had mm. that very really ended up in the concept stage where I would send you five albums and you would send me five albums. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I got through like sending three albums to you, and you. I think I think we did, we did songs, wasn't it? You had like a Led Zeppelin one. Oh, okay, that's right. I I did songs. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think we just kept it at that level. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably again on my part. It was like, I think you sent a couple, and then I was meant to send some back, and I might have sent one or two, but it just didn't get a heap of traction. You didn't send any. It got no traction. You reckon? Yeah, I guarantee it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but um, hey, I've sent you, what, 18 songs here, so well, something like that. Yeah, You're welcome. I feel like if this was a tennis match, you know, it's not yeah. just that the ball was in your court, it's that there was multiple balls in your court, and I kept serving them, <laughs> and you finally sent one back. Yes, I know. I Yeah, no, no comment. Because the reason I bring that up is because... Back then, we were talking about how I, well, how we listen to very different music, and that's still true today. You're sending me this album, and because for me, like my, I've listened to it uh, probably four or five times now. It just, I listen uh, most of the albums I listen to when I go for a walk after work or something like that, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed some of the lyrics as well, but it, for me, like it's not an album that I. I wouldn't pick it up again after this, I don't think. Okay. Well, what, um, ma- what makes you say that? Yeah, it's difficult to put my finger on, because like, I get that it's a well-constructed album. I get that Biggie Smalls is a great rapper. Yeah. But there's nothing in that album that really resonates with me. Okay. Is that because it's so different from what you usually listen to, or what? What do you think? No, I'm not sure. I mean... I think a part of it is, like, I I just don't see any of myself in the music. Right. 
and you know like so for me it doesn't tell any stories that i'm familiar with or any emotions that i'm that familiar with or that kind of stuff which is normally what i find in music that you kind of connect with it and that's what keeps you coming back or what yeah, generally that's my way in yeah there's just not much of that for me in this album yeah and yeah no that, that's fair that's fair you and i have spoken about this a bit we have reasonably mm. similar upbringings you know yeah from new zealand from the countryside close to a biggish town yeah um, and then you know we've both gone on to do bachelor of arts and then education beyond that as well um, yeah so like if you look at it from that point of view it's strange that we listen to very different music yeah haven't been able to find that much common ground with it that's true i mean i don't know if, yeah i don't know where that comes from maybe i think growing up in hamilton like we've talked about this before in terms of like how multicultural like different cities are in new zealand so like christchurch or darfield probably to the extreme to a degree is like quite i don't know just a lot more you know pakeha white people you know as opposed to hamilton is kind of like a let's say melting pot or like we've got quite a large african population quite a few like moldy kids in that and so maybe that that was part of it i don't know you know you just like get exposed to different things i don't know yeah because when i was listening to the album i was you know while i was listening to the lyrics especially i was like I don't see Connor in these lyrics, and I also don't see myself, you know? Oh, 100%, I get that. I don't see myself in in any of that. But I think what draws me to it is, especially Biggie, it's like his, his narrative. Like, like I've read like a couple of books, and even like listening to the songs, like Warning, it's essentially just storytelling. Whatever it's about, like his upbringing, um, his experience from whatever rags to riches sort of thing like life before he got famous and got all this attention and money um but like yeah the the song warning in terms of you know two people coming to kill him essentially well you know that that's what he's conveying and sort of hearing that through and it's sort of i see it almost as a autobiography you know you, you kind of get an insight into their life rather than connecting with it it's almost like reading a book and okay that's how that's something they experience. That's what they go through. That's how they're feeling. And I mean, sometimes you've got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt because they are artists. I don't know. That's kind of what draws me towards rap is that it's so different from my life. Like I haven't grown up in anywhere near like, you know, Brooklyn, New York or, you know, Compton, LA sort of thing where they go through that gang violence. And it's, I don't know, that's kind of what draws me towards rap in general and especially biggie stuff because it's narrative and sort of easy to follow does that make sense yeah it, it does and one of the reasons i say that is because one of the albums that i really have got into is kendrick lamar's damn like so all the things that you've just said like i can understand about damn kendrick lamar is you know he's a great songwriter great rapper and stuff like that yeah so i, I don't know why i can't see the same well or I, or I can't I don't know, get into this album the same way. Yeah. I think, like, in, in Riddiford Street, when we lived there, I think we talked a little bit about it. And it, it was probably when you sent me some of those songs um, that we were going to do the, the back and forth on. And because I've never really listened to much, like, heavy metal, like, I've listened to sort of 
mainstream rock and some, I guess, some light metal. I don't know what you'd call it. But it, it's such a big jump. Like, it, you know, it's like almost going from some light Green Day or something through to Slipknot. It's like quite two extremes, you know, to some heavy screamo. And it, I think you kind of have to transition there, if you know what I mean. Like Kendrick is quite a mainstream rap pop art, you know, artist, you know, like he's, I don't know. So was Biggie in his time, I guess, but... Because yeah, he was... Yeah, it's a, it is a... Right? He was huge, definitely, but it, it is more heavy gangster rap as opposed to, like, Kendrick nowadays is more, like, in the media, social media, talking about, like, big social issues and that, but some of it's a little lighter. I don't know. It, it is a... Because I get what you mean. It's definitely damn and ready to die you know it sounds like very very different albums yeah um, storytelling's just completely different all that kind of stuff there are a lot of songs about sex on this album too mm-hmm yeah one of my favorite parts of the <laughs> album is when he rhymes penis with genius <laughs> you never seen the stricker gene yeah I, I like that <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> which is a brilliant yep. rhyme um <laughs> Because a few of those songs make the album feel, I don't know, a little less serious. Where, you know, yeah. If I listen yeah. to Dam, or I'm not as familiar with To Pimp a Butterfly, but those albums like mm. just seem quite relentless. You know, it's always on this one sort of this one subject. Whereas, like, I'm not sure, I, I'm not familiar enough with Ready to Die. If like the whole album's supposed to be, you know, one big narrative like Dam is. But yeah, so these songs for me just like kind of break it up a bit and make it seem less serious in that sense. Yeah, it's a funny album, eh? Because you do have like, there are definitely some like party songs, Juicy and that, and I don't know if Hypnotizer's on this album, but there are definitely like those highlights in his life where it's like a lot of energy, a lot, you know, faster rap talking about, you know, women and like being in the club and drinking and having a good time. And then you have the real lows, like the suicidal thought sort of and i guess that's where the ready to die comes from so supposedly the album is like you hear at the start biggie smalls being born and like the album cover is you know that black baby and then going through his life so talking about you know having nothing or like being a drug dealer on the street and then turning to rap and then having all those highs but then also the the lows of lows and then essentially committing suicide at the end so that's supposedly like the the storyline or yeah that it's meant to be telling but it, it can be a little confusing i know what you mean like the real sort of you know the songs contrast each other a lot it's less consistent i guess yeah i mean i think it's just a dense album as well like there is a lot to get into mm. you know the more you listen to it the more at least up until five listens in my case the more you keep discovering mm. and i think that'll be the case you know, if I listen to this 10 or 20 times, I'd still be finding new things in it. Yeah. Did it take a bit of getting into it? Did you listen to... Well, what was the first lesson like? Were you just like, what the fuck is this? I I mean, I know of Biggie Smalls. Yeah. I know, so I knew, you know, it was going to be old school gangster rap. So I knew, like, those kind of things. So I wasn't too, like, thrown off by the sound or anything like that or the subject matter. And so, the, you know, it wasn't that confronting in that sort of sense it was more just then it was just like 
you know, because I was walking down the street trying to listen to the lyrics while dodging people yeah. as well. That, that was my first experience, and then, really. And then you'd come across an interlude of, like, a sex scene, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hold on, I can't listen to this in public. What's going on? Yeah. Are my headphones really plugged in? <laughs> yeah, is it loud enough? Can anyone else hear this? Yeah. Good thing I'm not wearing my trench coat right now. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it certainly enjoyed the album, but it's just not something I'd pick up again, I don't think. Would you listen to, like, individual songs? Like, you know, are there specific songs you would go back to? Or is it like listening to the whole album you wouldn't do? Or what do you think? So I never felt the desire to put any of the songs into my big... I have one big playlist. Um, and I never felt mm -hmm. the desire to put any songs into there. And just lately, as I've explained a lot of times, the way I'm consuming music at the moment is more or less in albums. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm not going to engage, I need 40 minutes to an hour and a half, an hour and 20, I guess, because there's only 80 minutes on the CD. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, to listen to an album, to set that aside, and I'm just not going to do that. So I'm probably not going to pick up any of the songs from this album again. Right. That's fair. Is it mostly through doing the podcast, like you are listening to albums? No, it was more... It was really just based on that James Acaster book where he tries to prove that 2016 was the greatest year of music because he bought, well, I think he's up to 600 albums from 2016 now. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure 2016 isn't the best album, but, you know, how do you prove yeah. it? You can't, how do you argue with someone who's listened to 600 albums for one year? True. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so then... Because now I'm I'm up to 300 albums in total. Mm -hmm. it, there's not a, you know, there's because you're looking at years from like 64 all the way through to 2020. There's just not enough like albums from each year to really compare that. So the most albums right. I have from one year is 2019 by the looks of it, and it's only 17 albums. Oh shit! Yeah, that's real recent. But. You know, so in terms of decades, the best decade is... The 90s. Nah, it's the 70s. Oh. <laughs> but I think that... Then, yeah. It's a bit of a uh, bias in there because I the only albums I've listened to from the 70s are uh, albums that I already knew. So, uh, well, Animals, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and Metal, all from Pink Floyd, you know, I've all given mm. really high ratings. But I haven't listened to all yeah. the you know all the crappy pop albums that came out in the 70s because i wouldn't even know where to start you know but whereas yeah. like 2019 it's much easier to just find a list of uh, music that i'm a bit more familiar with and just chuck on an album and then be like no nah, i don't like this and give it a shit rating <laughs> so you're a little biased james is that what you're saying oh yeah, yeah. i've been very clear about this. this whole this started off i knew it wasn't going to be that objective but it's just turned into the, <laughs> you know it's a, a farce essentially from a research point of view but that's alright mm -hmm. I'm committed now I'm not going to stop you're into it if you've listened to 300 albums you're not going to put it down are you no true so that's 300 from what 1964 until 2020 or yeah only only 5 albums or 6 albums from this year that's yeah. a decent effort is that just part of your research or is that wow. for the podcast like what just because you're in lockdown and there's not much else to do or <laughs> Yeah, it's just been in lockdown and being in control of my own 
music. I finally got a really nice sound system, so it's just easy oh, yeah. to put on what I want. Mm-hmm. And then it's also nice because an album, generally speaking, is about 40 minutes to an hour long, which is mm-hmm. a perfect amount of time to you know sit there, work, and then when the album's finished, get up and change the album. Oh, okay. So do you find you can work when you listen to music? Yes. I can either... <laughs> How productive you are. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the problem is if I have to work and be really concentrated, um, mm. then, you know, I can listen to an album, but I couldn't give you an honest opinion of that album because I never really listened to it properly. And so there yeah. will be a lot of albums on this list that are like that. Right. No, I, I think... Yeah, for me, I pretty much need silence or, like, in the past when I was studying, you know, they say, oh, you can listen to classical music or something. But if I listen to something with no lyrics, I'm fine. But otherwise, I just get distracted. Um, And I think that's one of the things, like, listening to your album, like, I I really didn't give it enough, not credible, I just didn't give it enough um, time or energy in terms of, you know, consciously listening to it. So I, I tried to listen to it when I was doing stuff around the house um, off my phone and the speakers were just too shit. And so it kind of just sounded distorted and a bit muddied. Whereas I listened to it, I probably listened to it three times, but I went for a walk and I found that way easier. Like having good headphones on, doing nothing else and just being able to actually listen to it actively or consciously. Yeah. So that for me, that's like something I learned about myself and this is, if I actually want to listen to music or an album and have, a, have an actual opinion, opinion on it, then, yeah, I have to dedicate that time to it, which is probably why it took me so long. Well, it took us so long to do this podcast, James. <laughs> well, yeah. the way you say it, the reason it took us so long, just to be honest, <laughs> the reason it took you so long, I was really... I know. Hey, I, I take full responsibility. You were... In typical James fashion, quite, quite on to it with, I wouldn't say harassment, but there was there was quite a lot of pressure there to, peer to pressure. get going. <laughs> peer pressure. You'll, you'll accept that. Yeah, I'll accept peer pressure. Yeah. So no, I definitely felt that, and but I'd listened to it the first time we, we talked, and you're like, okay, you ready to do it? But I hadn't actually listened to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And because it's so different from what, I usually listen to. I did have to consciously sort of take time out to listen to it. it. wasn't something I could, you know, idly listen to. Right. So, yeah. what are your impressions of Rated R then? Rated R. So, as I said, it took me the first listen. I was, to be honest, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I couldn't really understand what they were saying or like differentiate much between songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like, <laughs> I didn't know if it was a bad album or if it was me or if it was just—I don't know what it was. But so that was listening to it on my phone, and then I took some time to actually listen to it, and I still—I enjoyed it in the end. Like, I—I I find myself singing like you know, little like some of the choruses in my head, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like, it, it took a few listens for me. Yeah, but I don't know. It's good. It's very different from what I usually listen to. Yeah. For me, maybe lacking some of what I enjoy from rap music in terms of the narrative and sort of learning about the the artist. I didn't quite get that from Queens of the Stone Age, but maybe that's not the 
the point of you know this album or this genre of music maybe and we've talked about yeah i don't know for me like metal music is more about how it makes you feel rather than i don't know listening to it and learning yeah. you know what i mean does that yeah. make sense yeah it does like you said we talked about that before i know what you're saying mm. Mm. so because one of the reasons why i sent you this album specifically is it is it is quite a heavy and dark album and there are yeah some very heavy songs on it quite a few of the songs as well particularly at the start of album are quite poppy so like the lost art of keeping secrets for example you know it's, it's just quite a poppy song and there's i thought that would be you know a way into the album for you mm-hmm. because essentially they just have hooks in them that you can just get yeah you know get a little bit stuck in your head autopilot is another good example of that i did enjoy that that was probably one of my favorites yeah i thought yeah. that might be the case and because they're, they're reasonably easy songs to get into they have nice um hooks and the melodies are easy enough what well, they're hooks they get stuck in your head and then there's a lot more uh, should we say challenging songs <laughs> yeah and particularly the ones with the, the i guess the screaming in them i didn't think you would like those ones yeah some of them i listen like in between like so like autopilot and monsters on the parasol like that was something i was more like oh, okay cool like and understand them a bit better it kind of was more familiar to me almost like you know like not arctic monkeys but like a little more poppy sort of definitely heavy but like easier on the air i guess and then yeah the other ones i was kind of like what are, what is this even about i don't, I don't quite get it <laughs> yeah i don't know I, do, I get what you mean by some of them are a little more challenging yeah i mean you have songs like quick and to the pointless intention head which are i mean they're just heavy songs fast riffs and the guy screaming down the microphone at you more or less yeah and to be fair like it took me a long time before i actually enjoyed those songs and because i started listening to this album in maybe 2010 and for a long time i would only really listen to like you know the lost art of keeping secret league of lamb autopilot uh maybe mm-hmm. monsters in the parasol and just skip everything else I, I always liked the lightning song you know the the sort of guitar piece right before the the final long song oh yeah man that was it the last one yeah i gotta say it was kind of kind of fucking painful it was like a, i don't know how long it was it felt like five minutes of just like dr- like yeah oh but like the, the end bit where it's just the instrumental yeah where it's just like a constant like horns and i was like what are they doing why why are they doing this like yeah uh, yeah i don't know why what what was the point in that or what, what do you think why'd they do that you will have noticed that when i was talking about challenging songs i didn't bring that one up and that's obviously the most challenging (laughs) song on the album it's my yeah i I love that album i love the the riff at the start because it's super heavy and very like queens of the stone age from this time period just really driving and then the horns pick up and it just sort of gets lost because I, I remember the first time listening to it like what the fuck is going on like they're just making a racket i'm not enjoying this because it was a it was like a mess eh? like it gets out of time yeah yeah you know yeah horns <laughs> sticking in this rhythm and it's because it's in a weird yeah. time signature i'm not a good enough musician to know 
what time signatures right. but it's not you know standard four four or six eight or something like this and so mm-hmm. that makes it feel just a bit disjointed and weird already and then that goes on for a little bit then all of a sudden well not all of a sudden but these horns just start coming at you from what feels like almost every angle and now yeah i mean i, I don't know the reason behind that song or anything like that but that's my view on it i i, I love it now it's my favorite song on the album really so what how do you listen to that end bit? Like, because can you nod your head? Can you tap your foot? Like, you, yeah, I mean, maybe it would take a bit, but I'd appreciate it after a while. But, you know, there's there's no, like, rhythm to be like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, it didn't feel like overly yeah. jazzy. Like, oh, okay, so it's kind of, you know, it's and it's a long time. It's not, like, 30 seconds a minute. Yeah, yeah, it is a good size. Solid three or four minutes, <laughs> Um, I'm not sure it's just it feels like a good close to the album and I think this is what this is one of the reasons why I like listening to albums as albums because obviously the track listing is chosen you know was set in a specific way for a reason like the artist has made that decision right yeah Um, yeah so they've decided to sort of take you on this journey through those songs the way the album's built is you have in the fade which has at the end of it a reprise of the first song feel good hit of the summer yes day. i got conf- yeah. i got confused by that i was like has it started over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah really yeah and then that sort of it just comes back very briefly and then fades away again and then it goes into tension head which is mm. it does exactly that i think it builds quite a lot of tension and stuff like that and yeah. it, it's not like a it, it's not a pleasant song to listen to it's not something you hum along to or anything like that but then the lightning song mm. comes on it sort of breaks through all that and it is a nice guitar piece it's very relaxing and stuff like that and to, okay to me it sort of feels like it just i don't know calms everything down and then all of a sudden you have this like really driving rift on um i think i lost my headache and it's just a classic queens of the stone age song for a while and then the horns come in and it's just like this big climax that just i don't know it just keeps going and yeah yeah that just feels like the way the proper way to end this album i don't know how else you would do it it doesn't feel right or i like the decision to end it this way and not just have it like i i think i lost my headache ends you know with a tv riff and that's that and they kind of fade away yeah yeah i mean i I haven't listened to a song or album like that i guess um i think we sort of discussed before is it in picking an album i kind of struggled a little bit because generally i don't listen to whole albums like i'll listen to singles yeah so no uh, yeah i don't know it has it has been good listening to a full album and sort of as you said the artist or the producer or whatever has you know put these songs in an order for a reason and you kind of can read into it or look into why they put them in that order and take away from it what you will i guess so yeah. are there any songs on the album well would you go back to the album or are there specific songs you would go back to i don't think i would go back to the whole album just because of those ones well I, maybe i would and i would skip songs like some of those heavy ones i just couldn't really connect with or like get into that that well but there were other ones that yeah i enjoyed more than others the autopilot was cool um i enjoyed that um and then monsters and the parasol that was always there was a bit of fun 
I didn't quite, I Googled parasol because I was like, what the fuck's a parasol? And, it, <laughs> um, and I, I still don't know how it links to the song, but um, well, I enjoyed it anyway. Did he listen did, to Can the you tell me about that? Yeah, did you listen to the lyrics closely in that album? Song. In that song, or that? Yeah, in that song. Uh, I tried to, but I couldn't really get much out of it. I googled it just to be like, okay, so what is this about? And it's supposedly about an LSD trip gone bad. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know what, because in my mind, a parasol is one of those things that you know kids sit on with the horses and it spins around at the circus. Oh, I thought it was an umbrella. When I googled it, I swear it was like. Yeah. an umbrella f- for the sun and i was like how does that link but okay yeah i think it's something to do with the the roof you know it's a similar shape to an umbrella oh okay yeah yeah that's that's the link i think don't right. quote me on this stuff i'm only putting it down on a podcast don't worry about it no one's gonna hold this <laughs> yeah. um against me but um won't be here forever no, no, <laughs> yeah no. but yeah so I, I think it's one of those songs like it's just too hard to read into because the whole point is mm. it's about an lsd trip and not speaking from experience or anything lsd is really hard to understand <laughs> which like talk about or explain when you're not on lsd yeah yeah and everyone you know reacts to it a bit differently yeah and because yeah. it genuinely does just alter your consciousness so when you're no right. longer in that state of consciousness like what happened just doesn't make any sense and you yeah I did what well, autopilot. That was cool because drugs were like a quite a, a present thing on this album, weren't they? A few bottles of summer, <laughs> like nicotine, volume, vicodin, marijuana, ecstasy, and alcohol. Yeah, on that, that that was that song was like a because that's the first song on the album, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that was like a big. I don't know. As a first song, I was like, "Holy shit!" Because it's quite heavy and it's very repetitive. And I swear those are the only lyrics, aren't they? Yeah, well, then they go... And then cocaine. And so that's what I find myself doing, like walking around. Not the cocaine itself. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know, that was like a big song for me to lead with. And I was like, man, what is this music or this album about if it's like the one line over and over again, but somehow it works. Like, it is very catchy. Yeah. And when when you can remember the lyrics in in order, and it's like, okay, cool, and you can get into it. But it, probably by the third listen, I was like, okay, cool, I actually enjoy the song now. But right. the first time round, honestly, I was like, what the fuck? Okay, yes, I get it, like drugs and cocaine. Yes, cool. But like, <laughs> but by the end of it, I was singing along, you know. I, I think mm. a big part of that song is wrapped up in the time that it came out, which is. Is it 2001 or 2001, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 2000. Um, 2000, right. And so, like, music at the time, like, new metal was huge. So bands like, I guess, Limp Bizkit, Korn is a good example, that kind of stuff. Yeah. System of a Down to a lesser extent. But anyway, and like, new metal, bands like that just have a really bad reputation and, like, are very specific to this time period of the late mm. 90s to the sort of i guess it kind of died with lincoln park and whereas like regular rock and roll which to an extent the queens of the stone age fall into just wasn't that present at the time like there was a few foo fighters albums and stuff like that but you know there wasn't rock and roll was not big in the mainstream and if it was it was all new metal um, mm-hmm. and so 
like Josh Homey, the lead singer from Queens of the yeah. Stone Age, sort of wrote this album as more classical rock and roll album, like with poppy songs. They're darker and they're heavier than you know regular pop songs or even a regular uh, rock album. But it's very much in yeah. the vein, and it's a big part of it was just like a, I think it was like he didn't want to be dated to this time period, what was happening around him, and it was almost how do you put up the walls to everything that's happening around you? You make this album, and Feel Good Hit of the Summer is a bit of a piss take to the the music industry. Just be like, you know, fuck you, you know, we'll make the music we want. <laughs> if we're going to talk about drugs, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about drugs. Is the whole way through, yeah. So is that is that part of what you, yeah? Because I guess with music, like the context is so important, and like what was going on at the time it was made, and like depend, yeah. Some albums probably haven't aged as well as others, but is that important for you, like listening to it and like thinking about that context? Or no, not so much. I, I think it's interesting. Not so much. Like for albums that I really like, like I like learning about those kind of things. Um, right. Albums that I really like. But I mean, understanding the time period around Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, for me, is kind of unimportant. I just really like that album, for example. Right. Um, okay. And I mean, one of the reasons why so, I know um, about Rated R is just because I've seen some interviews with Josh Homme for, you know, I was bored one quarantine day and was on YouTube sort of thing. You know? <laughs> so where, where does Rated R sit within Queen of the Stone Ages? Discography? Discography? Second album, is it? Right, okay. And did they release many more? Uh, like, are they still releasing them? Or? Yeah, it's seven or eight now, I forget. Right, okay. The one, I, I thought about sending Songs for the Deaf, which is the one after this, which came out in 2002, who, and they actually yeah. had Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana on it uh, as a drummer. Ah, okay. And that one has, like, I think it has a couple songs on there you might know, or one song you might know, and then reasonably similar, but it's a bit more refined in that the same, like, you know, it has the very heavy songs and then the more poppy songs as well on it and stuff like that. But I think, I mean, Songs of the, songs of the Deaf is, I mean, it, that is their, their best work, but I think this one's a little bit, I think it's a bit more interesting to talk about in the podcast. So that's why I sent it to you as well. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, I, I wouldn't have come across this album by myself. You know, it's just not within my my realm or like what I what I listen to at all. So it has been cool listening to something quite different. So yeah. on that note, as we're wrapping up, do you have an album yeah. you want to recommend to me or whoever's listening? Yeah, so <laughs> I had to I had to prep one because, as I said, not a massive album person, but um, probably the, the score by the Fugees. Um, so it's got Miss Lauren Hill on it. Um, it's a little more laid back, kind of, not, I guess, bluesy almost. Like it's not a, a big gangster rap album. Almost like like it almost feels like a tribe called Quest, but not quite um sort of came out in the what was it the mid to late 90s or something um but yeah maybe i'll probably recommend that to listen to it's a few more melodies and like a female vocalist so that brings a, a different aspect to it but yeah probably that all right yeah um for me i 
just thinking about the desert sessions, what was it, 11, or volumes 11 and 12, which is another one of Josh Homme's side projects. And the band, more or less, well, band isn't the right term, I guess, but the group, of, the idea that Queens of the Stone Age was formed out of. And so the most recent volumes came out, well, it must be at the end of last year, and has, I think, I think it has Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top on it. Matt Berry, who also, apart from his music career, is more famous for being the second I, uh, the second manager, or the second boss on the IT crowd. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think he's also in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series, as one of the vampires. Mm, right. You can tell that Josh Holmes is on it because it has, well, all, all his, I don't know, trademarks all over it. But um, or a sound, um, but it's just yeah. bit, it, I like it because it's it's just a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just a good album. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, well I might give it a listen to. Don't hold me to it, but uh, uh, you probably won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, may not. Yeah. No. Okay. So what, are they like a large group? You no. say they're not a band, but they're a. Yeah. So the way I think it works is that because Josh Homme was in a band called Caius that broke up in '95. After that, he, he he did a few things, and he just wanted to play music. So he just got it. Well, so he got a group of musicians together mm. in the Southern California desert where he was from, and they just played music together. And I think they released a few volumes back then. And then, from what I understand, whenever he just feels a bit lost musically or something like that, he'll just go back off into the desert and get together another group of musicians, and then create another couple of volumes. Fuck, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and are they all quite different? Because like, at different times of his life, I'm sure he comes across different people and then brings them in, does he? Yeah, I mean, they're just different because they have different people contributing yeah. as well and stuff like that. Um, there's not many of them on Spotify either. So Spotify is the main way I consume music, so if they're not on Spotify, chances are I probably won't listen to them. No, that's fair. Oh, cool, well. okay. Yeah, it was good having you on, Connor. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. And, yeah, um, appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you, James. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Okay. I feel like I put the invite into your hand and like take it to your hand. Hey, well, once I got into the album, it was good. I, I think it was just that first hurdle, and then I was like, okay, cool, I, I can do this. Like, we'll, we'll have stuff to talk about, and it'll be fun. So, no, thank you. All right. Well, yeah. hopefully that's a lesson for everyone else who gets an invite from me too. Yeah, no matter how much he harasses you, it's it's all good intentions, okay? <laughs> and knowing James, you should probably know that by now. It's <laughs> that part I might edit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you got to keep that in. Well, <laughs> you can't release it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right, cool. I'll see you later, man. Okay. Okay, see ya. Bye.